drew your blueprint? What I think we see with Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19 is someone who expected the rain and not the resistance. Who expected that when the drought was over, that the battle would be over as well. But then he found out something that you have to learn in life is that more blessings create more battles. More blessings create more battles. Do you remember when the church was praying this for churchy people? God enlarged my territory. Yeah, that's more grass to cut and property taxes to pay. It all gets bigger. All of it. And so for me, I was like, what did you expect? Like, that's what happened to John the Baptist. Now, Jesus was sending a message to John the Baptist, and he was comparing John the Baptist to Elijah the prophet. One thing they both had in common is that they had a blueprint of what the kingdom of God would look like that did not match the reality of what it looked like once God started establishing it in his way. So John the Baptist has preached his way into prison. Jesus is moving forward in the purpose of God. John sends a messenger to ask him are you the one or should we expect another is this how it's going to be is this really what serving God feels like is this what it really means to be a Christian is this how it's going to be for the rest of my life am I going to have to struggle like this forever am I going to have to hurt like this forever is it really going to be this hard look what Jesus said go tell John this is Matthew 11 go tell John Matthew 11, the blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the wretched of the earth will learn that God is on their side. That's good, right? (laughs) It depends on your perspective. John wasn't expecting all of that. When he preached, he preached the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. I woke you up, didn't I? You weren't expecting that. Explosive on the mic. And watch what Jesus said. Because John was expecting judgment and Jesus came and brought mercy. His blueprint of the kingdom of God is now he's separating the chaff from the wheat and it's on the winnowing floor and he's about to burn y'all up. And Jesus said, be healed. What were you expecting? That's what Jesus asked. What were you expecting? Is this what you were expecting? Then count yourself most blessed. Disappointments and expectations are correlated in such a way that if if you expect the wrong thing, a lot of the times that we're disappointed, it's because we went in delusional. And how, how could we not? How could we not when we watch movies all the time that end at the wedding? That end with the kiss. And show us nothing of the conflict. How can a teenager grow up with a a, a healthy view of sexuality? When the blueprint of sexuality is we tear each other's clothes off the first night and that's passion. When that's not passion. What that's called is hormonal realities that need to be brought in subjection or you will find yourself. I don't feel like preaching on Mother's Day, God. They're just going to look at me. But but I was talking about disappointment. And 
and, and, and for Elijah now, there is the reconciliation between how he thought it would be and how it was. You, you got to imagine that for three years while he's running in the drought and waiting for God to give him the word to release the rain, that he's imagining that when the rain finally comes, the nation will turn back to God. When the rain finally comes, then they will repent. When, when it is finally proven to be true that you are God, then the nation's hearts will be turned back to you. Remember, Elijah's goal was never really rain. It was repentance. And when the rain came and the first drop fell, with it fell the hope that maybe now the nation will turn back to God. So when Jezebel, who was running the nation, when Jezebel, who had promoted the worship of false gods, sent word to Elijah, I'm going to kill you. I believe his greatest fear was not that he would die, but that nothing would change. That's when it gets hard. It's not hard to sacrifice when you see the significance of it. What's difficult is when you gave it all you had and nobody said thank you. That's the disappointment. It's when you raised your children right. I did not raise them to act this way. How am I down here at this school again? Who taught them this? It wasn't me. See, it's not the dysfunction because if I hadn't raised them right, I wouldn't be disappointed. It's the fact that I did everything I could to show them how to act. And here we are. And Elijah said, it's enough. I'm done. I'm out. I can't. You can have it. You can have it. I don't want this responsibility anymore. Oh, the, the responsibility that used to feel like a privilege. That's my second word. Responsibility. He said, I don't want this anymore. I don't want this anymore. I'm tired of being unique. I'm tired of being different. I'm tired of fighting against the culture and trying to raise my kids in a godly way when all it does is make them hate me. I'm sick of this. Oh, I'm going to preach to the three real people, not the little angelic Christians who came in here like seraphim floating above the trouble. I'm talking about the people that know that the blessing of God gets heavy sometimes. Hey, 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 the parents that never complain about being parents aren't doing it right. They gave up. It's only the one who gave it all that they had that can really know how much it costs. So I'm just going to break this down because I've never been a mother, so I can't talk about it like I want to talk about it. But I have been a preacher. And it is a privilege to preach God's word. Don't clap for that. You don't need to. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. Oh, it's a privilege. It's a great privilege. And I'm sure Elijah felt that way too. You know, I can't find in the whole scripture of Elijah, because I've been studying him now for years, probably the Bible character I've preached the most sermons on. I can't find one time that God gets mad at him. And here he is writing a suicide note when he should be celebrating. And what does God do? Because you have this idea that if you really told God and got honest with God about how things were, that he would strike you down. 
according to this story, when prophets run from God and have the honesty to open up and say, here's where I am and here's how I feel. He puts Krispy Kreme donuts beside their head. Now I want you to notice this. Up until this point, God has provided for Elijah everywhere that God has sent Elijah. But now Elijah's going somewhere that God didn't send him and he still provides. Can we take 23 seconds and praise God for the provision we did not earn, for the mercy we did not deserve? That kind of grace. That kind of God. Micronesian island mercy. I said it wrong, didn't I? I don't care. God knows what I'm trying to say, and so do you. I'm trying to say that he collapsed, and there at the place of his fainting in the shade of the broom tree, which he never should have seen, away from his post, there he wakes and finds bread beside him so that he can continue the journey. Being a preacher is a privilege. But I'd be lying to say that there are not times. Oh, man. How much should I tell them, Lord? I tell them too much, they won't respect me anymore. I don't tell them enough, they won't relate with me. I don't know what to... If I preach too hard they think I don't love them. If I don't preach hard enough, they won't have any change in their life because it'll all just be sugar-coated nonsense. The difference between me and you is you don't know what I meant to say when I get up here. You don't have the blueprint. So people will say, that was a great sermon. And meanwhile, I'm, I'm... I'm, I'm telling God to take, take my life. I mean, I don't want to die, but I don't want to preach the 1130 either. <laughs> yeah, somewhere between those two. Cause, not because I don't love it. Please don't hear me. Oh, it's so hard to be a pastor. It's so hard. It's so sorry for you. We're praying for you, Pastor. I'm not saying I don't appreciate it. That's what I used to think. It used to make me feel bad because I would feel like the fact... That, that, that I didn't want to do it anymore was because I didn't appreciate the opportunity to do it. Okay, we're going we're gonna to break down this wall for a minute where y'all are looking at me like I'm the only one. How many parents have ever had a fantasy of just leaving, just go, just, I mean, just out, just fix your own Easy Mac, pop your own Pop-Tarts? How about... No, no. No, ma'am. See, y'all ain't got no kids. That's why you're not standing up. You had never been a preacher. That's why you can't relate. That's why I make Holly. I usually make her preach on Mother's Day. She said, if you do that to me this year, I'm going to make you stay home with the kids for a weekend. I said, I'll preach. you to carry something. It costs you to wear a mantle. It costs you to stay and raise those kids. It costs you to stay in the rain.
what happens to you over time. It's not that you're not grateful and it's not that you're rebellious. That's not why you run. That's not why you run. The reason you say I've had enough is because you don't feel like you are. Enough. That's why he ran. Hey, thank you for watching.